the journey this year and we began to look at this enemy that we're fighting. We're in a war and we have an enemy and our enemy is not our ex. Our enemy is not someone who stabbed us in the back. Our enemy is not that person who devastated or hurt us and some people have really been hurt by people who've abused them in some manner or the other and I want to say to you, God is not the author of your pain. He did not write that into your story. Someone came with their sinful nature and they hurt you. And God, through the cross of Jesus Christ, made a way for you to be able to forgive, not to say what you did is okay, but to allow the judgment of God to be on them, to sort them out, but to release you from actually that poison that has hurt you. We do have an enemy though, and the enemy is the devil. That serpent, he disguised himself as a serpent in the Garden of Eden. The Bible refers to him as a dragon, the slanderer. So we are not fighting flesh and blood. And it's really important that we get to understand that because for some of us, our lives are consumed by fighting people. Every day is about someone we're fighting. And as a Christian, that is not the battle. There is a spiritual battle. We are to be fighting rulers and authorities and principalities of darkness and spiritual forces of evil in the spiritual realm, in the heavenly realm. And so really we are not fighting people. And Mark chapter 16, verse 17 and 18, Mark 16, 17 to 18 says this. It says, and these signs will accompany those who believe in my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues and they will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on the sick and they will get well. And so Jesus was telling us our responsibility as Christians is to fight the spiritual war. But Jesus now explaining to his disciples what they are able to do. Listen to the list and listen to the order. He says that we will be able to drive out demons. Then we'll be able to speak in tongues. Then we'll be able to pick up snakes with our hands. Then we will be able to drink poison and it will not harm us. And then we will be able to heal the sick. Jesus told us signs will follow us. As a Christian, when we pray, we should see the signs that follow. But he told us to cast out demons before he spoke about healing the sick. So there's a fight. There's a fight against spiritual darkness, and we have all the weapons to win. And so we looked at how we should be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. And we need to remember the attack from the devil is on our thought life. He will slip next to us and he will go, I am fat. And then we go, oh, I am fat. Oh, I'm fat. Literally thinking we thought the thought. And we need to realize that is how the devil attacks our thought life. He comes in the first person. He doesn't go, you are fat. He speaks as in the first person, and we can either receive that or reject that. But he doesn't only attack our thoughts. He attacks our life. He attacks our purpose because he wants us to not live our lives for the glory of God. He attacks our family. He attacks our family in terms of our marriage. He attacks our family with our children. 
He attacks our family in the forms of relationship and respect and honor, time. He attacks our children with bad friends or influence, peer pressure, addictions. He attacks our children in their identity. He attacks our future and our seed. And I want to say to you, maybe you're going, I'm not married. That one doesn't apply to me. I don't have children. That one doesn't apply to me. Oh, it does. You may be 16 and listening to this, but everything is placed in your future by God. And the devil wants to destroy your future before you even get there. He wants to destroy the generations to come because of the decisions you make today. And of course, he wants to destroy your prosperity. The devil's primary goal is to remove God from the heart of men. You see, you can't remove men from the heart of God. But his primary goal is to remove God from the heart of men and to obstruct their minds so that they will be blinded. Blinded to his word, blinded to the things of God. Remember, we looked at how he's a deceiver, how he's a slanderer, how he's a liar. And how Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil so we can be victorious. We started to look at praying radically, praying prayers of faith. You see, what I discovered and what God really showed me is we pray for other people. Like if we need to pray that they've got a headache and the headache will go, we pray. We may not be believing God for ourselves. We may have lost faith in hope and and in a future and the dreams we had because things went a bit crazy. But praying for someone for a headache, that we can do and we can sort of believe God will do that. But you see, when you believe little for yourself, you believe little for others. Now God challenged us. Let's become radical in our prayers. Let's begin to ask God for the impossible. And as we believe radically for ourselves, coming to this daddy God, this darling daddy, and asking him and seeing him answer our prayers radically, that nothing is impossible for him, then what happens is our faith, as we pray radically, goes up. Now, when we pray for someone, we can pray not just for a headache, but we can pray about those signs that he said should be following us, healing the sick, praying for the blind, that their eyes open. And so our faith increases. And then we looked at the burden of prayer. And my mom-in-law shared so beautifully about the burden of prayer. And I want to share with you that I had so many people come to me and say, I never realized the burden of prayer. I never realized and understood the privilege of stepping in and praying for my loved ones, praying for my family or praying for that thing which God placed on my heart. And so it's the burden of prayer. And I want to share with you a phenomenal story, a true story of a missionary who was in the middle of Africa and he was working at a little hospital and he went back to his home. And when he was at home at his local church, the pastor called him up and asked him if he would like to share anything of his missionary trip. And he said, yes, he can share He began to tell how every two weeks he would have to travel from this little hospital where he was doing the missionary work into the city. It was a two-day trip. So he would travel for a day, sleep overnight in the middle of this jungle, and then the next day travel into the city where he would buy medicine and supplies and go and draw money from the bank. And then he would do another two-day trip back to the little hospital. And he said, a couple of weeks ago, I was traveling. 
I made it into the city and when I got into the city there were these two men fighting they were quite hostile and the one man had seriously injured the other man he said immediately I began to attend to his wounds and help him and while I was helping him I ministered about the Lord to him then I made my two-day trip back to the little hospital he said two weeks later he needed to make the same trip when he got into the city he met the man that he'd helped and the man said to him that day when you helped me we actually followed you back into the jungle our aim was to kill you we knew that you would stop overnight and sleep and we were waiting for you to do that so we could kill you steal the supplies and the drugs and your money but when we got there you had armed guards around you and he looked at them and he laughed and he said I can assure you I did not have armed guards around me the man looked at him and he said you did because we were all frightened and all of us counted the men and there were 26 when the missionary said this a man in the church jumped up and interrupted him he said to the missionary what day and time was it the missionary told him the day and time and the man began to laugh and he said I was at a golf game I was golfing and God put a burden on my heart to pray for you he said the burden was so strong he actually stopped playing golf he phoned men and he told them to meet him at the church so they could pray then he said with the men that joined me please stand up and the missionary began to count the men of course I think you know the answer already there were 26 men talk about the burden of prayer talk about the miracle of God talk about how God wants to use us to move in this world it's so beautiful and so last week we then moved on to the struggle between the flesh and the spirit the fleshly nature versus the spirit nature that the old man has died the moment we come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior the old man has been buried and the new man has come the problem is even though we are a new man there are old habits that need to die so for example when some people give their lives to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior their testimony will be that they immediately stopped swearing they couldn't swear anymore or they stopped criticizing people they couldn't criticize anymore but they still needed to sort out their anger issues as they went on you see we looked at the fruit of the Spirit which is love joy peace patience kindness gentleness goodness and self-control now when Jesus was asked there were so many Jewish laws actually 613 in all and when Jesus came the Bible says he came to fulfill the law and when he was asked by the religious leaders can you sort of sum this down into what is the greatest you know we've got so many Jesus give us the greatest commandment Jesus did not hesitate in his answer he said the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart soul mind and strength and then to love your neighbor as you love yourself it is the same commandment it's not commandment number one and commandment number two but it was a commandment you see how do we love God if we do not love people and how do we love people 
if we do not love God. And this is what it's been about. How do we pray for people? How do we bring people to know Jesus as Lord and Savior? How do we pray for the sick to be healed? When our faith for ourselves is low, it's empty. This is why there's been this burden. And you know, as we've been doing this together as a church, we've been believing for radical prayer. I've had people saying, God answered my radical prayer. I want you to imagine a nation that prays to God, radical prayer, things that are impossible, and they begin to see God answering those prayers. How phenomenal. And then they begin to pray for others. But now, because their faith has gone up so much for themselves, they no longer have little faith when they're praying for others. Their faith has increased. They believe for the impossible. They believe that their darling daddy is going to answer an impossible prayer. And I'll maybe end with this, but Pastor Cesar shared so beautifully, Pastor Cesar Castellanos, who has a church in Bogota, Colombia, and he actually shared how his wife said to him, we need to pray for 15 minutes on a radio station. He said to her, that's a great idea. He's going to pray with her. Then she came back to him and said, no, wait, we should be praying for an hour, an hour's airtime on a radio station. And he said to her, great, we'll pray that. And then she came back to him. And she said, wait a bit, we should be praying to God and asking God for our own radio station. And he said to her, got it, we're going to pray for that. And you know, God radically answered that prayer and they received their own radio station. And he says, I know that if we'd asked God for 15 minutes, he would have graciously given that to us. But can you imagine the possibilities if we prayed radically what God would be answering. Because we, we have little faith. We ask God for little things. And then the devil comes and he goes, hmm, who do you think you are to ask God that? So now we think, I shouldn't be asking God that. And we want to cringe away from asking God radically. I want to tell you, ask God radically. Pray radical prayers. Prayers that go, this is impossible. Pray them. Because the Bible says, Jesus said so many times, there is nothing that is impossible for God. What is impossible for man is not impossible for God. Write a date that you're believing it and then stand in belief, praying and trusting God. And don't let your words cancel out. Don't let hopelessness cancel it out. But when you hear little testimonies, then let it be your affirmation where you go, yes, thank you, God. And I want you to remember the cross of Jesus Christ is our source. It is our only source, and he is our sustenance. He will make a way where there seems to be no way. I want to warn you, don't look to people for your miracle. Don't look to people for your answer. Don't look to medical or institutions for your miracle. God can work through them, but look to God and let him work the miracle out. And then when you receive your miracle, share it with people. Tell them, this is what God did for me. And if God would do this for me, God will do this for you. And so I want to encourage you to continue to pray. Remember, our prayer is to God for ourselves. But as our faith increases for ourselves, we, our faith increases for other people. And we begin to pray radically for other people too. So I really want to encourage you, come to your darling daddy. Ask him for what's impossible. Don't have any doubt. Keep asking him and thanking him and wait to receive your miracle 
because he wants to do it. And a nation who believes in the miracles of God will be a nation who sees the revival of God. So let's do this thing together. May God bless you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we can trust you, we can believe you, we can stand in faith on your word, and we can ask you anything, Father. According to your word, you will give it to us. Thank you, Father God, there are no limitations, that there are no limitations on you, that nothing is impossible for you. Father, help us to keep our eyes fixed on you and help us to believe you. When the enemy comes along in words of doubt or someone says something to hamper our faith, Father God, Help us to stand firm. Father, through your Holy Spirit, affirm us. Help us, strengthen us, teach us. But Father, help us to stand firmly. And Father, when we receive our miracle, let it be our testimony to speak to others so that they too may rise up in faith and have a testimony of your goodness in their lives. Thank you, Father, for your hand of goodness over us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Go pull out a notebook and go and write down some radical prayers that you are believing God for. And you're going to have testimonies in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.